2: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? So you may have heard this before, but did you know there's actually a law that states that only dead people can appear on U.S. currency?
4: You know, I, I had heard that before, but what's funny is like, why did that become a law? Like why was that important enough to put into writing? It really is it's It's weird. And I was wondering the
3: same thing, so I decided to to look back at this. and I'm glad that I did because it's it's kind of a weird and fun story. but it goes back to this superintendent of the National Currency Bureau. and it was a guy named Spencer Clark. and this was back in eighteen sixty six so a long time ago and He oversaw the creation of what were called fractional bills. And I I didn't remember a whole lot about these, but these were bills that were not as big as regular ones. They were 5 cent, 10 cent, 25 cent, and Hmm. these other denominations. But they were actually made because the nation was dealing with a coin shortage. This was just after the Civil War. And so Congress had asked the Bureau to make a new fractional bill in honor of William Clark. Now, this is the Clark from Lewis and Clark fame. But the document that was passed along to Spencer Clark only said Clark. Now, you may notice that he had the same last name. So as a joke, Spencer Clark decided to interpret that as being about himself. And so he actually had the five-cent bill made with his own mug on it. This is not a joke. He really wow. did Wow. Spency. That's pretty gutsy, huh? And <laughs> yes. How did this joke go over? Well, about as well as you could imagine. Congress was not at all pleased. (laughs) So Congressman Russell Thayer successfully pushed to have a law passed that stated that hereafter, no portrait or likeness of any living person shall be engraved or placed on any bonds, securities, notes, or postal currency of the United States. So that is why only dead people can appear on money for now. Because of a prank. I kind of love that. I do too. And and, you know, that's really just one of many fun facts about the things that we see on our money. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. So let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Ticketer, And on the other side of the soundproof glass, showing off one of the world's weirdest piggy banks. It's this green pig, and for some reason it says dill piggle on it. I don't really, I don't get it.
4: Yeah, I don't get it either. And and apparently he isn't alone in this. Like you can actually buy these on eBay. They're marketed as the perfect piggy banks for foodies for some reason.
3: That's uh that's another weird one from our friend and producer, <laughs> Tristan McNeil. So, Mango, are you ready
4: to talk money? I am. I was thinking about money this week and I immediately started thinking about Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties. Do, yep. do you remember him? Of course. More than like Scrooge McDuck or Richie Rich or Gordon Gecko from Wall Street. Like, this is the character I associate with money. And it's all because of one scene that somehow like stuck in my head. It's <laughs> uh, he was talking about how much he loved money, and some other character would throw a coin into a jar and he'd just identify it by the sound. So he'd be like, nickel, <laughs> quarter, penny. <laughs> Doing an episode on money made me think of that, plus seeing Tristan's dill-pickle bank. Yeah. Anyway, I do want to pick up where you left off, and that's with people we find on our dollar bills, and specifically presidents. To me, it's pretty interesting that the earliest coins and bills didn't actually have any presidents on them, and that was partially because of George Washington and who he was. He made it clear he didn't want his image on any currency, despite other people pushing for it, and this actually made sense because the U.S. had obviously been rebelling against a country that liked putting their heads States on their money. And instead, the founding fathers decided to use imagery that they felt symbolized the type of government that they were aiming to build. So they used things like an American eagle on one side and then a goddess of liberty on the other, which is mm. super interesting because, you know, while men and mostly white men are on faces of money right now, like at one point, women were better represented on some of our earliest currencies. So so when exactly did presidents start appearing on our money? Um. If I tell you this, does it count as one of my facts?
3: You know, it's interesting. I'm looking over at Tristan, and he is nodding pretty aggressively, and he sets the (laughs) rules around here. So I I guess it has to, but I feel like it's worth sharing anyway.
4: So the first president didn't appear on U.S. currency until 1909, and that's 133 years after the country was created and right around 100 years after Lincoln was born— And that's actually how it all got started. So Teddy Roosevelt was president at the time, and he wanted to find a way to celebrate that anniversary. He actually always felt a close connection to Lincoln. I don't know if you remember this, but he would attended Lincoln's funeral procession as it moved through New York City when he was a boy. I think he was six years old at the time. Hmm. When he became president, he wore a ring that had strands of Lincoln's hair in it. So when he actually had the power to do so, he had a series of commemorative pennies made in Lincoln's honor. 22 million of them, in fact. And the American Hmm. public seemed to like them so much that they just stuck around and everyone kept making them.
3: And so that's what what started it all? And and presidents just started showing up left and right on these coins or what?
4: You know, surprisingly, it wasn't the floodgate, you might imagine. It was actually another 23 years before another president appeared. And that was Washington on a commemorative quarter in 1932, which, of course, was also a big hit. So the Mint just kept making them.
3: Oh, that's interesting.
4: All right, well, I want to talk for
3: a minute about the ridges on our coins, you know, the ones along the, the kind of the edge of the coin. And I think most of us have heard that they're there to help prevent counterfeiting. And, you know, because it, it makes it that much more detailed and hard to reproduce. But there's actually a slightly different origin to these ridges that I'd, I'd never heard about. So in the earliest days of the U.S. Mint, coins were actually made of their actual value in gold or silver or whatever, precious metal. And so that meant that a $5 coin was actually made of $5 in gold. But the problem was that this metal was so valuable that people started just kind of filing it down, you know, on the smooth edges of these coins, and then they would sell off the shavings, and this became known as clipping. And so those who were really good at this could actually shave off just enough where people wouldn't notice, and then they could still use those coins. But that became much harder to pull off as the ridges were put into place, because You know, if somebody shaved off any coin, it would no longer have those ridges. And so, you know, even though those coins are no longer made of these same precious metals, some still have these ridges. And it actually turns out that preventing counterfeiting isn't the only reason for that. Is it just tradition then? I mean, that's definitely one reason because it was something that was put in place a long time ago. But, you know, one of the others is that it's actually another helpful way for the visually impaired to tell what coin they're holding Because some coins have the ridges and others don't. So, for example, you know, dimes have reeds, pennies don't. So it, you know, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it.
4: Hmm.
3: All right, Mango, so uh, what do you want to talk about next?
4: Well, I I do feel like we have to address the fact that pretty much every bill we get our hands on is disgusting. Oh, uh, (laughs) we do. We have to address this. (laughs) So there's this one 2002 report in the Southern Medical Journal, and it showed that more than 90% of bills tested have some form of a harmful pathogen on them. So we're talking about stuff like staphylococcus uh, and other gross things. And uh, the same study actually showed that most bills have at least trace amounts of fecal matter on them, which is also wonderful. I'm never using anything but a credit card ever again. <laughs> it feels like it would be wise to like wash your hands after using dollar bills, but that's not all. It's, it's wild that one study back in the late 90s found that somewhere around 80% of bills in circulation, 80%, had trace amounts of cocaine on them.
3: Oh, that is wild. So of like all bills, they have this on. That's so disgusting.
4: It is, but, you know, it, it's definitely more some types of bills than others. It turns out if you really want to avoid a hint of cocaine on your bills, it's best to use ones and fives over tens and twenties.
3: Okay. Well, that's something I'll uh, I'll keep in mind. <laughs> all right. Well, here's something I hadn't paid much attention to, but have you seen the spiky circle that's on the right side of Washington on the $1 bill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. So this is actually the seal of the treasury. And it's one part of the dollar bill that has actually had to change a little bit over the years because the number of spikes is intended to match the number of states in the union. So there are now, of course, 50 there. But this is definitely not the number you find most represented on our bills. So have you noticed that there is a bit of an obsession with the number 13? So the shield and the treasury seal that I just mentioned has 13 stars to represent the 13 original colonies, Uh, but there are so many more reminders that we had these 13 original colonies. There are 13 stars above the eagle's head, 13 stripes on the shield in front of the eagle, 13 arrows in one of the eagle's talons, 13 leaves with 13 olive branches, and something (laughs) I had not heard
4: before, and that's the fact that there are 13 letters in E Pluribus Unum. That is strange. You know, as soon as you said the number 13, I wasn't thinking 13 colonies. I was just thinking like how unlucky the number 13 is. And and it is... Funny that it's just like blasted all over our bills. That, yeah. That's crazy. So, here's a weird one. We all know Andrew Jackson is on the $20 bill. There's been all this hubbub of whether he should be there, like, or whether we can take him off. I know we've talked about replacing him with Harriet Tubman recently, yep. um, or someone just less horrible than he is. But uh, <laughs> there's this weird thing about having Jackson on the bill. And also, that people are fighting to keep him there. And it's that Jackson didn't believe in paper money. Like, really? yeah, it, it, he actually used his farewell address as president to blast the idea of paper currency, claiming it had no intrinsic value and that it would, quote, render property insecure and wages unsteady and uncertain. So, You know, having him on the 20s is almost like having Richard Nixon on your soup labels, which I I know is a weird reference, but he didn't believe in soup and he had a ban from the White House.
3: (laughs) You know, I wasn't (laughs) expecting you to bring soup into this, but um, (laughs) all right, well, we've each got one more fact to share. But before we get to those, let's take a quick break.
0: A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast.
4: Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're talking about things we find on our money. So far, we found cocaine, we found the number 13 <laughs> a lot, but yep. I know during the break, you mentioned that you had a fact about the, that Latin motto, uh, E Pluribus unum," which I, I think we all learned in school means out of many, one, but uh, that wasn't your last fact, was it, Will? No mango, come on. Got better (laughs)
3: stuff than that. But all right, well, this is just one more reference to the original thirteen colonies, as we mentioned. But what I found funny was that the founding fathers may have actually borrowed this phrase from a popular magazine. It wasn't something that they actually came up with themselves. So there was this British periodical that started back in seventeen thirty two, and it ran for nearly two centuries, and it was called Gentleman's Magazine. And it's it's, it's not as dirty as it sounds, but uh, anyway, on every issue was this phrase, E Pluribus Unum. But in this case, this was actually referring to the fact that so many articles were coming from so many different sources, but all brought together into one publication. So it kind of makes sense why they would say this. So Mm -hmm. as Gentleman's Magazine started gaining popularity in the colonies, it seems very possible that they were actually inspired by this phrase. And so that may be where it came from. Anyway, all right, Mango, so what is your
4: last fact of the day? Well, I I like that you spotted plagiarism, basically, on our dollar bills. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) So I I think I'm going to end with a fact about the two signatures you see on every printed bill here in the U.S. One is from the Treasurer of the United States, and one's from the Secretary of the Treasury. Wait, so those aren't the same thing? No, so the treasurer actually advises the secretary about various currency, but it's the secretary that makes the final calls. And the current secretary of the treasury is Steve Mnuchin. He's actually the 77th person to hold this title, and every one of them has been a man. But... This is the more interesting part. The current treasurer is Jovita Carranza or Jovita Carranza. I I might be pronouncing that wrong, but she's actually the 44th person in this position. And it's actually only been held by women for the past seven decades, dating back to Harry Truman, appointing the first female in this role.
3: That's so weird. So only men in one role and only women for the past seven decades. It feels like just another reminder of how weird people are about gender stuff, isn't it?
4: Yeah, in fact, uh, Jennifer Lawless, who's the director of the Women in Politics Institute at American University, she actually said this about it. Quote, once there's a woman appointed in a position, it's easy to assume that position is one that could be filled by a woman. Once an initial ceiling is broken, once an initial piece of progress is made, there's a tendency to continue down that path. All right, well, here's to a woman holding the position of Secretary of Treasury at some
3: point in the not-too-distant future. Mm -hmm. I I feel like, Mango, for that little reminder of just how weird people are, I feel like I need to give you today's trophy.
4: Well, I will take it because I feel like I haven't earned a trophy in a little bit. But uh, (laughs) from Tristan, Gabe, Will, and me, thank you so much for listening.